0: This is The Fabric Podcast. Recorded as part of a live gathering at the Minnehaha Falls Bandstand in South Minneapolis, this is part of our series of conversations where we're finding all kinds of realms in which to ask the simple question of possibility, what if? I'm Greg Meyer, and great to have you all here with us today. Just start out with a little trip down memory lane. It was quite a few years ago but I was at Cedar Point Amusement Park in Sandusky, Ohio, on the shores of Lake Erie. And uh, Cedar Point and one other park someplace in, in Japan at that time had an annual competition. Like, who could um, release the most amazing roller coaster? They were the, like, Cedar Point is the roller coaster park in the United States. So they had an annual competition going back and forth. Who could, you know, break the record and make the newest, the newest craziest, craziest, Roller coaster, and then other parks like Valley Fair, Six Flags, and stuff. They would introduce similar roller coasters a couple years later when they found out no one actually died on it. And uh, the year that I was there was the year they released the Millennium Force, which was uh, at that time broke ten world records in one fell swoop, featuring the the first thing, the biggest one was you started up this big thing, and then you got a three hundred and ten foot drop at. 80 degrees, which is steep enough that when you're in the very front, you cannot see the track ahead of you. It is basically a free fall and by the time you get down to the bottom, you are going over 90 miles an hour until you get picked up by the track again and whisked off into this three-dimensional twist and turn at the end. Yeah, anyway, I couldn't wait to do it. I mean, this is just the greatest thing in the world. So I got in line. The line was way too long, but it was worth it. And when we finally got up to the boarding pad um, platform, we elected to wait another 20 minutes in order to be in the front seats of the front car because, hey if you're going to do it right. You know, you're going to do it right. So that's what we did. So um, we got in. It was about dusk. Uh, the air was warm. You could it was, see the last light shimmering on the waves of Lake Erie as we're going up here. And I could immediately tell that something was different. You've been on those roller coasters. They go up that big hill and they kind of clunk, 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 you know, real slowly. We were accelerating up the hill, and going faster and faster, and rather than like getting to the top and sliding, we were thrown over the top, and I immediately knew that something had gone terribly wrong. This thing was out of control, and this was not the time of my life. These were the last seconds of my life. I was going to be dead. And we were going down this hill, and all of a sudden, and and then we got picked up on the bottom and went through the curves. And I was still alive. And I knew that it's time to stop being terrified. It is time to be cool. And I had way too much adrenaline in my system to even pretend it was cool. It was absolutely amazing. So roller coasters are exciting. Roller coasters are amazing. But but, there is nothing human imagination or human ingenuity that can create roller coasters. I don't care what it is that can even compare to a life fully lived. Let me define that. You know, because a life fully lived, I mean, if you really want a thrill, don't just have a life, live a life. Let me define what, what I think a life fully lived is, all right? I, I think a life fully lived is one in which you are open to and then you embrace all that stuff that's within you, the stuff that's going around you, and, and that which we kind of grasp and we sense, we resonate with, but we can't ever fully understand, which is you know, bigger than us, it's beyond us, it's beneath us, it's between us, it's around us, and it's within us. And, and we, we take all that stuff and we begin to weave it together, it's, it's, it's being open. It's being vulnerable. It's um, being part of what's going on in you and around you rather than apart from all of it. Um, I I think that's what that's all about. Now, I want you to hold on to that thought, that image of of life that's like even greater than a roller coaster. And then I I want to talk about a problem that pretty much all of us here, at least in the United States, seem to share. And that is, there is this common misunderstanding. There is this widely accepted myth that says that church, that faith, that Christianity, other world religions too, I'm sure, although that's kind of beyond my expertise. But all that spirituality stuff is sort of opposite of what I was just describing. It goes in the other direction. They're all about what you're not supposed to do. Basically, so How do you follow God according to this myth? How do you lead a spiritual life? It's pretty easy. You take a normal life and then you start subtracting from it. All the stuff you're not supposed to do, right? You start subtracting stuff that is fun, that's exciting, that looks daring, risky, that's new, that's innovative, and then you're playing it safe and you're being godly or whatever the version of that might be. Basically, it's boring. Now, guess how that myth developed and got spread? People believe it and people practice it and people teach it. And we're afraid a lot of churches just find many, many ways to have it be that's what it's all about. How can we subtract from your life? So the logic goes the godly life is actually a God emptied life rather than a God filled life. And that's okay, as the myth goes, because it's all about delayed gratification, right? I mean, sooner or later, you'll get your reward. You get to go to heaven because you didn't eat the marshmallow, right? Yeah. So um, now there are more harmful and less harmful versions of that out there. Um, but basically that's kind of a story that is a, a way of thinking that is, pervades our culture really, really widely. And I'm not sure whether I am more angry or more sad when I find people living that way, holding that, and then spreading it to other people. Um, because here, here's what I see, what, what I have glimpsed so many times in my life and I'm sure that you have too. And, th- and that is that a life fully lived is anything but boring. Uh, the Millennium Falcon may give you the thrill of your life a couple of times, but after three or four, yeah, you're kind of used to it. It's still fun, but yeah, yeah you know, you're you waiting for, the, for next year when they release another roller coaster, right? Um, life, on the other hand... Fasten your seatbelt. If you really engage with it, if you are open to what's going on and, you've got, and you're willing to go there, believe me, you are going to have thrills. You are going to have excitement that stretches you and gets the world new for you until your last breaths. So here's the real question. The equation is not this, normal life minus all the stuff you're not supposed to do equals a godly life. No, I think the real equation is this, a normal life plus infinite possibilities equals a three-stranded life. Uh, what's a 3 strand life? Three-stranded life is that life that really engages all of you and all of the things around you, all others, not just people but all things that are around you and that which is which I was talking about before, which is bigger, beyond, beneath, between, around and within all of us. I think that's what that's all about. And you know what I like to call these infinite possibilities that are added to our life? I like to think of them as what-ifs. What ifs? Now, you have likely heard the story of creation that the Bible opens up with, in the beginning God created, da da da, da. Here, Here's my version of it, okay? In the beginning, God stopped and looked at everything that didn't exist, which is kind of tricky to do because if it doesn't exist, it's hard to look at, but in the beginning, God stopped and looked at everything that didn't exist and then wondered, what if? And God tried it. And God has been wondering and trying that ever since. And then, a little later in that creation story, which, again, is a, not a scientific explanation, it's a poetic description, right? Later on, when it says that human beings are created in the image of God, it does not mean that we look like God. That would just be plain silly, right? Maybe it means, in fact, let me use my other language. What if that means that we, too, were created like God? God to ask what if, and then to try stuff. I think what if is a doorway through the impossible to the possible. What if is doorway through the impossible to the possible? And God is, if you want to talk about God that way, which I think, you know, I think God is really too big for just that little word. We know it has a tendency to think that God is just a being up there that is thinking like we do, only a little bit bigger and stuff like that. And sometimes we have to do that because we need to be able to think about it, to talk about it. But, but if you want to think about God, is you know God is much more a what if God than a what is God. Whatever God is, is God is always trying to tug us beyond what already is, how the status quo, the places we're stuck, in order to see what could be and to make us co-creators with God about what this world could all be like. Um, And so when we begin to grasp this life fully lived sort of thing, we start discovering that it is anything from anything but boring. In fact, it is one of the most amazing things we can ever do. That doesn't mean it's always easy. It doesn't mean it's always good. It doesn't mean it's not hard. And in fact, it doesn't even mean that it always works out. But there's something about the fact that when we do this together, we have each other and that can be okay. In fact, even the worst situations, the worst things that our what-ifs might have to deal with. Because we're together and because we know we're part of this bigger thing, somehow, in some strange, counterintuitive, but yet it sort of makes sense to us deep down, it is still good. There can be peace there. We find that shalom. We find a place to live. So this life fully lived can be that way because it is able to be fulfilling to us, more fulfilling to us than the life that we kind of imagine for ourselves right now. And it becomes that way because it takes two things really seriously. It takes seriously who you really are and what is what this world is really all about. Um, the, see, one of the problems is that we tend to be thinking and focusing on what we want and what we would like the world to be, which tends to be pretty superficial and pretty so, short-sighted. And so, unsurprisingly, it doesn't work that well because it wasn't mean, meant to be that way. And, you know, so it ends up being kind of unsatisfying and exhausting and... And you know, just what unfulfilling, basically. And the problem is we don't know ourselves and know the world well enough in order to do a lot better than that. But when we do get exposed, when we get this bigger picture, when we see ourselves as part of that larger thing, somehow we start getting a grasp of something, a glimpse of something that we identify, saying, yeah, that, that really is home. That is how it, it works for me. And that feels more like my own skin than when I was trying to be do- doing something differently. And so that all happens because it changes our focus. It changes our focus on who we are and what our world is all about. Um, Galileo and Copernicus, everybody remembers them, right? Um, they were doing their work when I was just a kid. Um, But before them, everyone thought that the universe revolved around the Earth, right? The sun went around the Earth, and the universe all revolved around the Earth. Now, since then, we've learned better. We know that, no, the Earth goes around the sun, and the sun goes around our galaxy, and our galaxy is shooting away in all sorts of directions. But while we've got our astrophysics right about that, we personally have it still even more screwed up, because we tend, in a personal way, to think the whole world revolves around me. Not you, me. Yeah, uh, you know, around us, and and it just doesn't work because that isn't how things happen. So it doesn't work, and it certainly doesn't work for long. So frankly, what Jesus was all about, I think he was trying to change our focus. He was trying to get our eyes off of our belly buttons and you know off of our solo path through the world and finding our way and how to make sense of this stuff. And his recommendation was pretty basic, right? It was something he repeated a lot and something we find throughout the Bible. He said. You know, this is the, how you, you need to focus things. So love Yahweh, your God, with all your heart, soul, and mind. Basically, he's saying, I need you to desire. I need you to want to be part of. I need you to devote yourself to that which is with your heart, soul, and mind, with your whole self, right? And then he says, I also want you, you need to love your neighbor as you love yourself, meaning that you actually love who is in there inside yourself, and you love your neighbors in the same way for who they are, and that's who, not just who you want them to be. And uh, so that, doesn't, that means that the focus is not on you, and it's not on me. But also the focus doesn't exclude you, and it doesn't exclude me. Instead, it weaves us all together, right, into a deep relationship. We're all part of something that is bigger than us. Paul, who is one of the writers in the Bible... Um, in the early church shortly after uh, the life of Jesus, he was trying to make the same point. He was trying to help us see possibilities where we found impossibilities. He's trying to refocus our minds. And he, he did it by saying this. He said, my prayer, my hope, is that you could just start to comprehend the height, the width, the depth of the love that Jesus is trying to show us. Because, he says, with that, work, with that at work within us, we can accomplish far more than all we could ask or imagine. Now, that isn't a superpower. That isn't a way of making people or the universe do what you want it to do. No, it means that when we get it, when we start refocusing our eyes on the way that we really work and the way the world really works, all of those crazy what-if dreams that are just outlandish, they suddenly take on new meaning. They have new possibilities behind them that we can begin to step into and to live out. So I guess my question would be, what are your what-ifs? I mean, if I was going to give you homework this week, what are some of the what-ifs waiting out there? Some that are just like, nah. Can't, I'll never change that relationship. No, my job just sucks. No, I don't know how to get out of this mess we're in. I don't know what. What are your what-ifs? And start working with those, massaging them. So not to rub it in, but there's this honest part of this what-if problem that we have to face right now, right? And that is, um, you know, we need to refocus our default of being on us And realizing, though it needs to be on something bigger and wider and deeper than ourselves. And the reason for that is we are all dead ends. Now, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means that you are a human being. You are limited. You're finite. You are temporary on this planet. That is not your job to be able to do everything. But you can be. We are all connected to something that does have that bigger picture in mind for us. And we can be a part of all that. If you want to have a boring life, be the hub of your own existence. All right? If you want an exciting life, move beyond that. So here's what I want you to do. Turn to someone who's next to you. I want you to shake their hand. And I want, the, I want you to say to that person, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're boring. All right? And then, then back, you can say back to that person, well, sorry to tell you, but you're boring too. Britt, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're boring. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right, we all need a daily affirmation. So now the alternative to seeing ourselves this way, right? Is to see ourselves in the real context that we are part of, right? It isn't just you, but you're a part of all this other stuff. That is, you are part of, you are inseparable from, you know, all that is, you have a unique and an irreplaceable role within it. You are not just one among seven billion people on this planet. You are the one that is, has your life that can be where you are and can do what you do and can see what you can see. And the world needs that added to it. So, you know, when we see our lives that way, we're suddenly one from being born Fascinating because we have this enormous role. So now it's time to make up to that person you just offended. And I want you to shake their hand again and say, you know, now that I see you the way you really are, you're actually pretty fantastic, Britt. Ditto. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're fascinating. So, <laughs> no harm done. Okay. So, I just want to repeat that idea. What if is a doorway through the impossible? To the possible. Now, I know this isn't new news to you. You have all been aware of this. You know this, but sometimes it just has to be said out loud and said publicly because it isn't just true about heroes—the people who get, you know, the headlines in the newspaper on the and social media. This is true about you. Like I said, your life matters. You have a role to play. You are unique. You are indispensable. There are people waiting. The world, you and I, are waiting for what we can imagine, the what-ifs that we can take on in our lives. And that makes all the difference in the world. So now in the next couple of weeks here at the Falls, we are going to be looking at some more particular, but I think also like apply-to-us-all type what-ifs. We're, we're going to have some fantastic guests that have been walking the what-if path for a long time. We're going to have people that are asking questions like, what if everyone had a place to call home? Or um, what if... I'm not just the only one who's thinking this thing, but I am the one who needs to lead the change so it can start to happen? Or what if we as a society had a place for people whose brains work differently than ours and we not only had space for them, but we valued them and and let them be a part of things? Or what if um, we realized that doubts weren't defects, but they're actually some of the most valuable things that we have about us, and rather than shunning people that have doubts, we sought them out in order to learn from them because they're asking a what if that we haven't thought about yet? and a lot of other things as well so join us and when you can't join us there's a live stream there's a podcast check that out as well and uh, let's continue figuring out how we can get through the impossible thanks for listening if you're looking for more connection in your life stay up to date with what's going on with fabric and find resources to help you in your conversations and reflection at fabricMPLS.com or searching Fabric MPLS on social media. Let us know if there are conversations you're longing to start or resources you're longing for to help you live a life more deeply woven.